Would you turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. This chapter is a, a, a prophesied covenanted Christ, and that's who we see in this chapter, the prophesied covenanted Christ. It can be easily missed, and it can be easily skipped over, and just read over glibly as many might do, but in this little reading, you will see the Lord Jesus Christ prophesied over 700 years before he came and was born in Bethlehem. Isaiah chapter 49, please. And let's just begin reading at verse 7. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings, shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard thee, and in a day of salvation I have, have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, and give thee for a covenant to the people, to establish the earth, to cause to inherit desolate heritages that thou mayest say to the prisoners go forth to them that are in darkness show yourselves they shall feed in the ways and their pastures shall be in all high places they shall not hunger nor thirst neither shall the heat nor the sun smite them for he that hath mercy on them shall lead them even by the springs of water shall he guide them. Now stop there, but keep your Bible open at Isaiah 49. Will you pray with me? Eternal Father, again we ask you that you would come and by your Spirit move in our midst and speak to our hearts. Father, we thank you that even as it's been sung, we can come this evening to your Son, broken to be mended, broken in sin and the ravages of this life and world. And we pray, O oh God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that if there's one or some who are here this evening, who find themselves in such a state, unsaved or away from God, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help them to see and behold the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'd hide this man behind him and behind his cross work, but use my vocal cords and my mouth for your honor and for your glory. Father, we do love you, as it's already been said here this evening, and we worship you. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and your blessed spirit who resides within our hearts. So, Father, this evening, be glorified for Jesus' sake, we ask and pray. Amen. Isaiah 49, in our reading, it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. In our reading this evening, it speaks not only of his kingship, not only of his deity, 
but it speaks of his manhood, his servanthood, and it speaks also of his glorification, speaks of his sufferings on the cross, speaks of his finished work at Calvary, meaning that he has paid the fullness of our debt in its fullness, not only for a one-time sacrifice until the next one comes, but forever and forever. Amen. We see him guiding his flock in our reading. We see him guiding the sheep. And we see the Lord Jesus right through the scriptures, of course, from Genesis right to Revelation. He's called the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, he is the first and the last of the, the Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega. He's also the Aleph and the Tov, the first and the last of the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. He, in other words, encapsulates everything in the Word of God. He is the Word of the Father, eternally with the Father, and from the Father, now made flesh according to John chapter 1. And so the Lord Jesus, before he is made flesh, looking through, as it were, time, through eternity, he is seen in the scripture, the written word of God. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of prophecy comes upon this prophet and he starts to write of the glories of Christ and that which he would do and accomplish when he would come to earth. If you will note here this evening in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 7, first of all we have the servant king. The servant king. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One. Notice here we are talking about God in heaven our Father, and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the man of Galilee. Notice here, the Lord here, the word L-O-R-D is Yahweh, or some may pronounce it Jehovah. And the word Redeemer is the word Gaal. And it gives the idea of a near kinsman who comes and redeems that which is his by inherited right. And so the Lord Jesus Christ became our Goel kinsman. He is the Galal in heaven and the Goel on the earth, the Redeemer of Israel, and now he comes and he takes on a body and a form of flesh and humanity. Prophesied before it even happens. Here is Yahweh the Father and Yahweh the Redeemer. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told even as we look at this, he becomes a servant. It's called the great stoop. It's known as the Lord coming down from heaven. He is the bread of life which came down from heaven and giveth life unto men. And notice here the great stoop of the Lord. Verse 7, the servant king. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One. 
To him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers. There he is. He is a servant of rulers. He became the greatest servant to humanity in Israel, the greatest servant that ever lived. He who had the worship of the angels, of the seraphim, and the cherubim, of the beasts and the elders, and the glory of heaven. He who had the preeminence of glory, all surrounding and healing him. Now he has come to the earth to be a servant. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. God became man to die in our place because man could not reach God nor be in his heaven. And so he comes down and he dies on Calvary's tree. He is the greatest servant as he walks Judea, Galilee, Samaria, Jerusalem. Here we find even in John's Gospel, chapter 13, if you return just quickly and briefly. Notice what it says. Now, before the feast of the Passover, you and I are now in the Passover week. You and I, from Friday evening, it's sun going down. And the 27th, it would be uh, uh, until next Sunday, the 4th, and the rising of the sun would be what's known as Passover week. And notice here we find this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come. Think about this, friend. The hour was come. His hour was come. From eternity, right through time, from Adam's fall, right through the birth of Israel, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through all of the prophets and Moses, through the battles of Israel. Now the time had come. He had been born of a virgin. He had walked the scene of time. He had put his feet on terra firma. And now his hour had come. The hour when he would be arrested and the hour when he would give himself to be beaten by the hands of sinful men, to be crucified, hanging between heaven and earth. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself has said in John 12 and in verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from off the earth, I will draw all men, or I will draw all types of men, all types of people, mankind, generic term, I will draw all types of men and women unto me. Notice, it's the drawing of Christ that brings people to Christ. It's the drawing of the Spirit. It's the drawing of the Holy Ghost. He says, I will draw all types of men and women unto me. So this servant hanging on a cross, he draws by his Spirit. He draws the alcoholic. And the drug addict, he draws the immoral, the prostitute, 
He draws the man and the woman with failed marriage and divorce. He draws the man and the woman who have lived a life of sin and debauchery, even adultery and idolatry. He draws them, and he draws them to behold the Lamb of God. He draws them by his Spirit to the cross, and he draws them to a place of repentance under the blood of the Lamb. He draws the good because the good are lost too. He draws the religious because the religious are lost in their sin. He draws those who are wicked, those of the, those that society would deem worthless. He draws them and useless. He draws them without any hope. He draws them. He draws them to Calvary, to the blood, and there he ransoms them. He washes them. He redeems them. And there they find their sins forgiven. There they become a new creature in Christ. The old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. Hear this great servant of all. In the hour when it was coming, it says Jesus knew his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, take note of this, Jesus knowing who he was, Jesus knowing where he was from, Jesus knowing what he would do, what he would accomplish, Jesus knowing what he would go through, and Jesus knowing he would return to God, knowing these things. Now take note, in verse 4, he riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Yes, even our Lord Jesus Christ got so down right to the ground. He became the greatest servant. Sinners in need of a Savior. Yet he became their servant and he washed the disciples' feet. Brothers and sisters and friends, this great one came from God and he became flesh and he became the greatest servant that ever lived, that ever walked the face of this planet that we are on. And there he washed the disciples' feet, but greater, he went to the cross. And there he bore our sin in his own body on the tree, that you and I might be saved, blood-washed and blood-bought and glory-bound. What a servant. Now notice, we see him as the servant and the king. In verse 7 of Isaiah 49, notice, to a servant of princes, also shall, pardon me, 
a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Here Isaiah is speaking through the spirit of prophecy. I wonder what exactly he picked up on this. And I cannot help it but wonder how much of it he understood and what he had known and knew. Because Peter tells us that the prophets inquired about these things. The prophets spoke of these things but couldn't fully grasp them. But when Christ came, then post-cross, after the shedding of blood, you and I who are saved can look back at the cross and say, there was my redemption and there was my forgiveness. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. What a blessed Redeemer. What a mighty God we serve. He is now a king and king of kings, as John tells us in Revelation chapter 19. He's coming again, and he's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So I ask you this evening, do you know him? I ask you this evening, are you saved? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? So we have the servant king in verse 7. Just while we are there for one moment, Yahweh becomes our Goel, our kinsman. He becomes fully human. He becomes fully clothed in flesh. Now take note of this. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, notice to whom man despiseth. To whom man despiseth. The strange thing is, Isaiah is speaking here of ancient Israel. And we see it today, even in the year 2021. Here Isaiah is saying, man despises him. The little word man, man in the original text generally, generally is the word Adam, Adam man. But here, the word man is not Adam, it is nefesh, nefesh. And the word nefesh is when the Lord God formed man out of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and man became a living nefesh. All living things, the nefesh, a living soul. In other words, the soul of man, the deep recesses of man, the very inner being of man, the very will, the very soulish intensity of man, the very man within him who knows only his own thoughts and passions and desires and will. The real you inside of you. The real you 
that sometimes you can't express how you feel when you're feeling low or down or mourning or hurting or pain. The real you that only you and God knows. Difference is here, God would read into the soul the nefesh of man. He sees him. He sees mankind. The nefesh. And he sees the heart of every man. And it says here that those of Israel, the men and women, despised him. The word despised here is the word bozo. Bozo. That means to be in utter contempt of him. To be in utter contempt of the one who would come. You see, flesh cannot understand the things of the Spirit. That's why in our world today, men and women hate and despise in their soul the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. They detest Him. They despise Him. And they hate you and I for loving Him. Notice here. Notice, friend. They despised him. I mentioned it this morning. In Isaiah chapter 53. It's the root word of this. He is despised. And rejected of men. A man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. And we hid. As it were our faces from him. The lovely. Beautiful. Wonderful. Son of God. Deep inside. You see Israel had went after other gods. They had went after. Other things. They had allowed their nation. And their people. To get away from the word of God. The law of God. The commandments of God. And they had taken them down. And they had placed every idol. To every God. In every place. And there they worshipped. And that they loved. And today, this nation of ours, Ulster, is the same. People will believe. And people will listen to. And people will worship at every altar of Baal. But come to the cross of Christ. And they hate him in their nefesh. Deep in their soul. They're dead in their trespasses and in their sins and they hate the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh friend, when I see this, I see this servant king lovingly coming, lovingly giving his life freely, lovingly taking our sin and our punishment unto himself in his own body. Sharing his own precious blood. And there he lovingly died for us. But he rose again the third day. And when he comes back, kings shall bow their knee before him. He is coming again. His feet. And that day shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, which is in the east before Jerusalem. 
And there the king shall walk in that golden gate, the eastern gate. There he will walk in triumphant and glorious and set up his marvelous kingdom. And all the nations shall come and bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. There they shall come, the haters, the despisers, the abhorrers of Christ. There they shall bow the knee. Note here in Isaiah 49 and verse 7. Who man despiseth to him whom the nation, notice this, the nation abhorreth. The nation abhorred. They got to abhor Yahweh. They used to sacrifice their babies to Molech. They used to build a, a bronze statue on to Molech. And in order to be able to try to appease this heathen deity, they burned their babies alive. They burned their little babies alive, sacrificing them unto Molech. And listen, our nation is full of the abomination of a modern day Molech. There they are murdering their children in the womb. Aborting them and tearing them limb from limb. And this wicked, dreadful, dastardly, this terrible Westminster government is trying to bring in, without any holds barred, the abortion issue into Ulster. Brothers and sisters, be heard and speak up. Be heard and speak out and cry, not on our watch. Boris Johnson, not on our watch. It's time for the watchmen to cry against it. Murder of our little ones. Notice they would have set up their altars and worshipped everything and anything else. Do you know people, sure they love to go to the fortune teller. And they love to go to the palm reader. And they love to read their stars in the paper. I can tell you what your star says in the paper. Nothing! And they will accept everything. Oh yes, and they'll go to their transcendental meditation classes to make them feel good, to ease their stress. And they'll go to their yoga classes to make sure they're feeling fine with an intrinsic feeling of goodness. Oh, but they're giving themselves to the devil. They'll worship at any altar. They'll give themselves to anything. They'll even buy themselves to the statues of Baal. They'll buy to it in their chapels. And they allow the domes of mosques of a heathen deity 
to be planted and built across a nation and temples of foreign gods. Everyone but Christ. But he's coming again, this servant king. He's going to break the skies. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Hallelujah. To meet the Lord in the air. He's coming to earth. There's going to be an earthquake in Jerusalem. He's going to split the Mount of Olives. Such power. Yet he became such a servant. Notice here. Brothers and sisters. We have that. Verse 7, we have the servant king. And then we have in verse 8, and in verse 9, we have the suffering saviour. Verse 8 says, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard thee. And in a day of salvation I have helped thee. And I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant to the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, that I may say to the prisoners, go forth, to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways, and their pastors shall be in all high places. Instead of the groves of high places outside of the camp of worship, they used to put their, their idol gods, their idol Deities falsely so called and worship them in little clumps of trees. Instead of that, in that day, the suffering servant has redeemed us. And in that day, we shall ride upon the high places. I want you to see here something in this about the suffering servant. It looks like, well, how did he cry? He cried, Eloi. Eloi lama sabachthani. And the Lord heard him. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His father heard him. But his father did not come to his rescue because the son gave himself. And if he had not have given himself, you and I would still be undone. You and I would still be lost and in our sin. You and I would be on the broad road to destruction and headed for a lake of fire for all eternity. You and I would be without Christ, be without God and be without any hope in this life or the next. But praise his holy name. He hung and he bled and died. And the Father says, Son, I love it. I love it what he says in verse 8. I have given you. He has given Jesus. Yahshua. He has given him. For a covenant to his people. He is. My covenant keeper. He's a covenant maker. And he's a covenant keeper. And his covenant is the blood. Of the everlasting covenant. Oh he says in Jeremiah 31. And verses 31 to 33. He tells us behold the days come saith the Lord. That I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And with the house of Judah. 
Not the covenant that I made with our fathers, he said. Speaking of the coming of Christ. The Lord Jesus instituted the new covenant. The same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Again, likewise, after the same manner, he also took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for remission of sin. This do you as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Here is the covenant, the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, chapter 9, all speak of the covenant of Christ. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13, speaks of the blood of the everlasting covenant. And he says here in Isaiah 49 and verse 8, My son, you may be going through this trial. You may be giving yourself for those who did not want you, but I have given them to you, and I will bless you with a covenant to your people. Oh, and Christ is our covenant tonight. Christ is our covenant every day. Christ, the blood of Christ, has sealed my destiny that I might be in his glory. And at the coming of the King of Kings, when this earth comes under the wrath of God, we find that those of us redeemed by the blood and trusting in the Savior will find that we are not judged, but we are changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, to be like him. Oh, what a salvation. Is there someone here tonight and you're not saved? You're not saved. What if you died without Christ tonight? Listen, it says here in verse 9, he sets the prisoner free. He says to those in darkness, show yourself. Hey, those are in darkness, show yourself. The Lord Jesus in John chapter 3 says, Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But are those whom God calls, they will come out from darkness and show themselves. Show themselves as redeemed by Christ. Some people say, oh, I like to just be in the world to try and be a light in a dark place. Listen, you can be redeemed and be in the world, but not off the world. But if you're partaking of the world and the things of the world and living like the world, you're not saved. He says they'll come and show themselves. There's going to be a great showing in the darkness of this world when Christ returns. Oh, the glory that will come, the great showing of the redemption of his own people, the great showing of the saved when we will be changed to be immortalized like him. We have the suffering servant who has made it possible, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here, it says also in verse 10, we have the sovereign shepherd. This shepherd is the sovereign of heaven. Verse 10, the sovereign shepherd, he says, They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat or sun smite them. 
For thee that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water he shall guide them. Sovereign shepherd. Notice what it says. They shall not hunger nor thirst. Do you know in John chapter 6 and verse 35, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. Do you think the Lord Jesus just throws these words about because they sound good, comfortable, just for a little encouragement? He's taking the very word of Isaiah chapter 49 here as we have it. And in verse 10, and this is what he's saying. I am the one who spoke through the prophet Isaiah. I am the one who is to come that you would never hunger and that you would never thirst. The sovereign shepherd leads us all the way. You know, whenever you're in the world, in other words, when you're not saved, before I knew the Lord Jesus Christ, things with me got to, I watched, it started with the weekend, looking for the weekend to try and enjoy myself, to feed my flesh and my soulish desires. Abhorring the things of Christ. And then it got from weekend to midweek. Couldn't wait for a day or two. And then it got to a a day or so. And then it got to every single day I needed to feed my soulish, fleshy desires. I was hungry all the time. But for the things of the world and the sin, for the pleasures for a season that were bringing me to hell, I've tried the broken cisterns, Lord. But ah, the waters failed. And as I stooped to drink, they fled. And mocked me as I wailed. That's what it does. You drink at a cistern. Cistern of your habits. Cistern of the world. And it mocks you in return. You come the worst for wear. Purer in the pocket, sorer in the head, sicker in the body, and lost in your soul. Empty. And ah, the waters fled. In as I stooped to drink, they fled and mocked me as I wailed. Now note, now none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy. Lord Jesus found in thee. See, friend, I can tell you, and every true blood-washed Christian tonight could tell you this thing. They'll tell you that when they have been saved, born again, when they have met Christ, and Christ has come into them by the power and person of the Holy Ghost, I can tell you, friend, they're never the same. And there he satisfies the soul. And there he gives me that refreshing drink from his spirit. 
And he feeds me on the bread of life every day, which is his word. And I can tell you the old things of the world are nothing in comparison to the things of Christ and the word of God. The things of the world, they're not tasty to me anymore. I don't like them. I don't want them. I abhor them. But I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love him. And he satisfies my soul. I must close. When we look down Isaiah 49, there's so much we could go the whole way through this chapter, but just to close. Verse 16. The Lord says, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Here we have the scarred son or if you want the scarred sheep the scarred son or the scarred sheep do you know the only man made thing now take note the only man made thing that's on pardon me that's in heaven are the wounds of Christ The only man-made thing that's in heaven are the scars and the wounds of Christ which he bore at Calvary. As the hymn writer could say, there for me the Savior stands. He shows his wounds and spreads his hands. For God is love I know I feel. Jesus lives and loves me still. You may say, well Ken, how do you know that? Preacher, you tell me that. But how do you know that? Revelation chapter 5. Turn with me please. Revelation chapter 5. And let's arrive on down the chapter. And verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Notice, weep not, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Typified as the Lion of Judah. Verse 6. And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Stood a lamb. John hears to look for the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And as he looks around heaven, what does he see but a lamb? Not a lion, but a lamb. You see, friend, it's the lamb that we look for. Yes, he's a lion. Yes, he's brave. Yes, he's in control, but it's the Lamb, the man Christ Jesus. And notice this Lamb. Stood a Lamb as it had been slain. In other words, he looked and seen the marks in this Lamb. He seen the scars in this Lamb. He looked upon this lamb as it had been past tense. Now it's standing and it's alive. In other words, resurrection. The resurrected Christ. And it had.